Amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning we have an awesome privilege to be able to gather together, <clears throat> excuse me, to be able to set apart uh, our brother Jared for the gospel ministry. One thing many of you may not know about, uh, uh, about Jared is that he's actually been a member of this church much longer than the majority of us have, uh, in part because his father, uh, who is here today and also is, uh, was a part of his ordination council, uh, along with his wife, or was actually the founding pastor of this church. And so, amen, amen. And um, so it is, seems right, it seems fitting, it seems there's an essence of sweetness to the fact that you would be ordained here in the church that your parents had really been a part of beginning so many years ago. One thing that many of you do know about Jared, of course, and, and, and about his wife is they have been serving for a period of three years overseas. Our church has actually sent them out, commissioned them as missionaries on the field. And for about the last year, uh, they came home to have a great time, just travel, be able to go to Disney World. And when they came home, COVID hit, and so none of that happened. And so they've been here for about a year, very patiently waiting to go ahead and go out and uh, go out into the field once again, this time to a new country to start a new ministry uh, there. And uh, when Jared had actually first come back, he began to talk with me a little bit about this idea of ordination. And to be honest with you, at first, I had to really kind of think through it because most of the times in the past, ordination that I've taken part in has primarily been for pastors and been elders of churches. And I'd never really ordained a missionary before. Um, there are times where we commission them, that is that we send them out, we recognize a call on their life, we send them out to show our support for them uh, as they go out as missionaries. But ordination, I, I just had never done that. And so I asked him to give me a little bit of time to think through that and really work through it biblically. And we talked about it really quite a bit. And then I really kind of came to the conclusion through just really praying through it and studying the word that uh, it, it would be appropriate, I think, to ordain him uh, as a missionary uh, and, and actually quite needed. Let me give you a couple reasons why. Uh, number one is because of where he is going, like many other countries, where there are some established churches. Uh, when you go to a church, uh, uh, countries like Cuba or uh, you may go to Brazil, uh, where, again, they have established churches, oftentimes uh, those churches place a high value on ordination. And so if you go to one of those countries and you want to minister alongside and you call yourself a pastor, one of the first things they want to know is that you've been ordained, that you have been, uh, there's some church somewhere that has evaluated you and your person and the qualities of your life and, to, and recognize that you are indeed called of God and qualified for the role of a pastor and elder. And if they don't or if they haven't been ordained, oftentimes uh, they don't have a great sense of confidence in that individual. Well, since uh, Jared and his wife are going to be working with other established churches, and possibly he may be joining a church and even become an, a leader in that church, it would be right for him to be ordained to be able to bridge that gap. There's a second reason why we think that it's pertinent for him to be ordained, and, and we actually learned from their last stint of three years overseas, is something interesting happens when the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached. Now, when I talk about the gospel, I talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, the good news is about that there's a creator God who has created all of us, 
bad news is the fact that we have all rebelled against him and we are all deserving of uh, eternal judgment and condemnation separated from him for all eternity. The good news is, is that he loves us and in his love he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place, to pay for our sin debt and to be able to reconcile us, on us, to God, us unto God again through faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ. And so when you begin to preach that good news, something interesting happens. People come to faith and they are regenerated and born again. Well, when you have regenerated, born again people gathering together, you have planted in the beginnings of a church and a church needs to be established. Well, if you're working amongst unreached people groups, there are not pastors usually already there. So oftentimes you need to have somebody who is going to shepherd the people of that flock. So it is vital that we have somebody knowingly that we are sending that when new believers begin to come to faith in Jesus Christ, that there is somebody there who is called and qualified to overlook that group and to be able to shepherd that body. Does that make sense? The third reason is this, is that is because God has ordained him to the gospel ministry. It's important that you understand that it is not us who are ordaining him. We call it his ordination, but it's only us who are recognizing what God has already done in him and through him. It's God who calls a man, not a church. And so I'm going to unpack that a little bit more. But there are two primary questions I think we need to ask. I'm always making sure that we understand as a church why we do what we do. Uh, I think sometimes we could get wrapped up in things that really maybe are not biblical and maybe do things and we wonder why, what's the significance of that? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it closely aligned to the scriptures and found in the word of God, this idea of ordination? And I think it is. So two questions I want to ask. The first is this, is what is ordination? What does it mean for a person to be ordained? Let me give you a definition uh, for our purposes, excuse me, this morning. Uh, to be ordained or ordination is the public setting apart of an individual for the specific role or task in ministry. Is the public setting apart of an individual for a specific role or task in ministry. And we see this play out time and time again in the Word of God, especially in the New Testament at the beginning of the church. In Acts chapter 14 and verse 23, we read, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord to whom they had believed. Now, I want to draw your attention to that word appointed. The word appointed in the Greek is a compound word. It's made up of basically two words, one that means hand and the other that means to stretch. So it literally means to stretch out the hand. In, in essence, this is a symbolic demonstration of, of somebody being chosen. They are laying hands on somebody, symbolically showing that God has chosen this individual for a particular role or task in ministry. We see it played out again in Titus chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, this is why I left you in Crete. This is Paul speaking to Titus. This is why I left you in, in, in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint, there's that word again, elders in every town as I directed you. Now, this is a different Greek word, but it's translated and has the same meaning as being, again, set apart or appointed for a particular position of ministry, uh, role or task of ministry. Both of these specifically speaking of the role of elder and pastor, which is significant for us in our context now. When you look in Acts chapter 6, we find this idea play out again. 
You remember there that there was a complaint amongst the church that, that some of the widows were not being taken care of. They weren't getting their daily portion of the provisions of the church. And so they begin to come and complain to the apostles about this and make them aware of it. And so the apostles, knowing that they were specifically called for the preaching of the word, the ministry of prayer and the preaching of the word and leading the church, uh, they knew that they wouldn't have time for many of these other ministries that they identified as significant. And so what they said is it wouldn't be appropriate for us to serve tables, not that they were below it. It just wasn't their calling. They said, but because God's called us to prayer and to the ministry of the work, we need somebody to do this ministry. So this is what we find them saying. Uh, this said in the word of God, excuse me, in um, chapter 6, in verse 6, they actually go and they call the people out and they say that we need to find for ourselves seven men of good repute, filled of the Holy Spirit, and we need to ultimately set them aside. And so they do this very thing. And then they say in verse 6, these they set before the apostles and they prayed and they laid their hands on them. Let me give you just two more quick examples so that you see that this is clearly in the word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 19, uh, we see this word appointed again. When the scriptures begin to write, Paul begins to write of an unknown believer who was famous amongst all the churches. And he makes mention that this man was appointed by the churches to accompany Paul on his journey. There's that idea of being appointed, same idea as being set apart. And then finally, Acts chapter 13 and verses 2 and 3. We don't see the word appointed here, but we do see the phrase set apart. And so here is the fullest idea. When you take all these ideas together, the fullest idea of what ordination is all about. It says, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and set them off. This is what we see in the word of God. This is biblical. This was from the very beginning of the church. Times when a church would recognize the call of God on different men's lives within the church, and then they would lay hands on them, and they would pray, symbolically setting them apart for the work of that particular task and ministry. And that's what we're here today to do, to set apart our brother Jared as, as a pastor elder. Now, what's strange is he doesn't have a church to pastor or eld. I don't think that's a word, but uh, to do. But the idea there is he doesn't have that, but we are recognizing that he does so that whatever church he is a part of, that we have recognized that he has, he has the calling of God and the qualifications to be able to hold that particular office. So that's the first question, what is ordination? I hope it's clear. Second, we ask, who is to be ordained? Who is to be ordained? The simplest answer to that, or the shortest answer, is those to whom God is called. Those who are called by God. Um, Jared, I want you to understand that your ordination today is not a reward for good behavior because you probably would not be doing this today. No, I'm just joking. It's not a reward for good behavior. It is not a reward for achievements in ministry. It is not merely a formality, a formality that we must get out of the way in order to receive a new title. An ordination is not something that you have earned. It's not something that you have deserved or do deserve. No, while it is something that you have aspired to and desired, 
It is something that God Almighty has providentially brought about. God has called you to this, not anyone else. And so in most of, I will say this, in most of my life as an early believer, young believer, I really didn't understand this call of God on people's life. Maybe you can identify with that. People would come up and go, well, why are you in the ministry? Well, I was called to the ministry. And I begin to think of as a little guy, little, little, little guy, a little guy, I'm still a little guy, uh, as a young believer in Jesus Christ, that I begin to think, what, what exactly is this call? What is this calling? I mean, does God actually call you on the phone, landlines at the time, not cell phones? Uh, does, does God, in an audible voice, call you? Does he rearrange the letters in your alphabet soup and says, you are called? Is this some supernatural act of God? What does he do? And I just could not figure it out. In fact, I was already in the ministry when I was still trying to really begin to understand what it meant to be called by God for the work of the gospel ministry. And then as I begin to study the word of God and seek it more, uh, I believe that God began to answer that a little bit more to me. This is, this is not the way to do it. The first time I was trying to determine whether I was called of God, I was 12 years old. And I was on a mission field. My parents loved me so much, they just sent me away for two months uh, in a foreign country. And, uh, and I was there, and our job was to actually be able to build a church uh, for a, a, a new church that was there. And we were building it. And and while we were away, I was having my quiet time in the morning down by a little creek, 12 years old again. And I began to wonder if God had called me to maybe be a full-time missionary or pastor or whatever. And I began to say, God, I need to know whether you're calling me to this or not. And I need a clearer way. I don't want to go into this if this is not what you want me to do. So I picked a flower off of a tree, a bush next to me. And down there was a little stream. And I took it and I said, okay, God, if, if you want me... Some of you are laughing because you've prayed prayers like this. Is, is God, if you want me to go into the ministry, then I'm going to throw this flower into this creek, and I want you to stop it. I want it to get caught up and, and not move and just be still. And then I know that this is the place you want me to be. If not, let it continue down the stream. And then I know I just need to keep moving on, see symbolically what's going on. I was a bright 12-year-old. And so I threw it, not very spiritual, but threw it in there. And, and, and then it started moving a couple of feet and it stopped. It got, it got caught up. And I said, thank you, God, you've, you've called me. And as soon as I started rejoicing, it broke free and it started moving down the creek again. And I was like, oh, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not called then. And then it stopped again. Oh, I, I'm called. And then it broke free. And I said, I'm, I'm not called. And I go, this can't possibly be the way that we determine whether God's calling us or not. This is, must be some kind of cruel joke. And so how do we know a person is to be called or they are being called? Let me give you three things very quickly before we uh, begin to pray for our brother. Number one, it begins with a desire. It begins with a desire. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul writes, Timothy, the saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to office of an overseer, he, desire, he desires a noble task. He desires. He aspires and he desires this. This is, had a young man one time at a uh, youth conference that I was preaching at as a youth pastor. And I was preaching about this and calling him and said, will God send you? Will God call you? Have you ever considered ministry or going on the mission field? And, and at the invitation, I had this young man come down and he was just crying, just sobbing. And I thought, wow, man, God is really working in this young man's life. And I go, young man, I go, what, what's the problem? He goes, I'm afraid that God might be calling me to preach. And I go, you're afraid? I go, this is not exactly the response that I was expecting. And I said, that's a good thing. And he goes, no, I, I don't want to preach. 
He goes, I want to be a doctor. I don't want to be, I don't want to go into full-time Christian ministry. I love God. I want to be used of him, but I don't want to go. And I go, brother, don't you worry. You are not being called into full-time ministry. <laughs> um, God, you know, and so, so there is, it, there comes this desire, and it's hard to even explain to, to, to you this morning. It is an inward compulsion. Uh, um, what what uh, one well-known pastor described it this way, actually Charles Spurgeon described it this way. He said it is an intense, all-absorbing desire for the work, for the work. So this is important. The calling of God is not for a position or for a title. And the reason that's so important is because people are so interested and more interested in positions and titles. They want a place of honor. They want to be viewed in a particular way. That is not the heart of one who has truly been called. In fact, all they desire to do is do the work of that position. The work of a pastor elder only wants to lead God's people by, by living the life of the word out before them and taking the time to read and to study and teach and to feed the flock before them. That's what their desire is. They could care less about a position. They could care less about a title. They just want to preach and teach the word of God and lead God's people in that way. It's a, it's a desire within them. We've seen this uh, with our brother Ryan. Ryan, this is going to be his last day with us. And then he's going to be uh, the preaching pastor at First Baptist in Hilliard. And, and, and he came. He was, a, he was a preaching pastor at his last church. And then he came here and he was one of our uh, pastors here. And, and then every week that I got up to preach... He, he would sit there, and in his heart, it just kept burning within his soul and within his heart that he needed to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. He needed to be able to proclaim the word. And so that's why now he says, I could be a pastor. And so there's a general calling of this work, and then there are specific callings. My brother feels called to go and to be able to preach and to teach people the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, in, in a foreign land. That's the specific calling upon his life. But there is all a general calling of where you want to lead God's people through the teaching of the word of God. And so it begins with a desire, and I believe that that's what burns in our brother's heart this morning. Number two, it's also about qualification and being qualified to do it. In 1 Timothy, in, in, in the book of Titus, Paul lists uh, qualifications for elders and pastors there. Let me read them to you. And what I want you to do, for you who actually know Jared, I want you to keep this in your mind and think of his life. Uh, as you read through these qualifications. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, that means he needs to be fully committed to his wife 100%. A one-woman man. He needs to be sober-minded. He needs to be serious, that is, about the things of God. He needs to be self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, uh, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he, he might become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, and that he may not fall into the disgrace and into the snare of the devil." When you read in Titus, it's not only these, he basically reiterates these moral qualities and character qualities, but he also includes the idea of, again, being apt to teach, which 
which Paul does here, but he must also be able to defend the faith, which means that he has to have a certain level of understanding of the word of God that he can protect the flock of Jesus Christ by defending it from false teaching and false teachers. And so these are all qualifications. And what we have found in uh, Saturday morning, we actually met together in a council, ordination council. And we had prepared and gave, given a number of questions for Jared, which is biblical, theological, practical, personal questions for him to be able to answer. And he was able to answer all of those questions uh, uh, with great care and skill, really being able to define those things truthfully from a biblical way. And so we know and we affirm that he is in fact qualified to be an elder, but it doesn't come from one Saturday morning. It really comes from at least the last decade of his life that he has spent among us seeing that uh, within his life as well. And so what we find here is that uh, we, is, is looking at his life that we have affirmed that calling uh, because we believe that he meets those qualifications. And so what we find is it brings the third thing, and I'm being a little bit, rep uh, um, I'm being a little bit um, repetitive here in the fact that the third is the affirmation of the church. It's one thing for a person to desire the position or the role of a pastor elder. That's another thing for the church itself to affirm whether that be true or not in that individual. And that's again what we did during that council and it's what we're doing here today. Uh, the church once again does not recognizes the individual is being truly called of God. They do not do the choosing, God does. But that choosing must be evident for all those who know them and know them best. And I think all those who have been in a small group and heard him preach and teach, they've all tasted of the fact that, yes, this is a man who has been, in fact, called by God. And so our day, our purpose here is to affirm him as a body of believers. So three things. One is a deep, burning desire in the heart of that individual to be used of God in the gospel ministry. It's something that you just can't get away from. Now, look, all of us should have a burning desire to teach the word and share the gospel and, and to do all of those things. But the distinction is, is that this person is consumed with it. There's really nothing else that they could do. They know that they need to be able to be a part of the church and they need to be able to lead that church through the word. It's within them. It's why so oftentimes somebody might come to you, Jared, and say something like, bro, why in the world are you going over there? Don't you know your life could be so much better here, so much easier? You can make more money, three times more money here, four times more money here, bigger house, bigger, nicer cars, greater 401k, if you just stay and do this. And what they miss is they, they miss the call. They understand that if you were to be able to remain, then you would be undone. You could do it for a while, but you would have all those things and you'd be empty inside because it's not the call within your life. So you've got to be able to follow that call. We believe that call is there. We believe that you are qualified. And as a church, we affirm that today. Amen? Amen. So here's what I would like you to do, brother, if you don't mind. I'd like you to stand for me for just a moment. And I'd like you to be able to respond to these charges as, we, as I list for you these elder pastor of... Uh, um, qualifications. Do you affirm your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? 
And do you believe the scriptures of the Old and the New Testament to be the word of God, totally trustworthy, fully inspired of the Holy Spirit, the supreme, final, and only infallible, sufficient rule of faith and practice? Is it your God-given desire, as far as you know, in your heart, to accept the office of elder from your love of God and sincere desire to promote his glory and the gospel of his Son? Do you promise to be zealous and faithful in promoting the truths of the gospel and purity and peace of the church, whatever persecution or opposition may arise to you on that account? Will you be faithful and diligent in the exercise of all your duties as pastor, whether personal or private or public? And will you endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in the manner of your life? and to walk with exemplary piety before, before your congregation? And are you now willing to take personal responsibility in the, life of this congreg- uh, in the life of your future congregation as a pastor to oversee ministry and resources of the church and to devote yourself to prayer, the ministry of the word, and the shepherding of God's flock, relying upon the grace of God and to be the blessing of whatever church you lead? Very good. You may be seated. Now, if you're a member of our church, I'm going to ask you to please stand. If you're a member of our church, I'm going to ask you this question. And if you will affirm, I want you to affirm it by saying we do. Do you as members of Mercy Hill acknowledge and publicly receive this man as a pastor and as a gift of Christ to his church? If you do say we do, we do. do. And one last thing, will you love him and pray for him and his ministry as he seeks to work by the grace of God to accomplish the mission of the church, giving him all due honor and support in his leadership to which the Lord has called him to the glory and honor of God. If you do say, we will. All right, you may be seated.